You finally decided to learn how to ice skate, so you ordered the essentials every aspiring ice skater needs. A nice pair of blades, a shiny new helmet, and a good set of knee pads. And you used your Bank of America Cash Rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, which you put those rewards towards an essential piece of post-skating recovery, a heating pad. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding to apply now. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp, and sitting right beside me, back in the gondola, from the Washington Post, Ben Gover. What's up, man? Not too much, Andrew. There's no joy in the gondola tonight, I gotta say, man. We've done podcasts. I've done them from, like, funeral parlors, hospital rooms, lots of different places. But that was one of the most gutting events, period, that I've seen happen unfold before my eyes. I feel awful for Kevin Durant. Um, I thought Bob Myers' post-game uh, speech about it hit a lot of the right notes, but it still left me feeling a little bit off and weird. Mm-hmm. The entire building reacted initially in very strange fashion, as some of the Warriors were quick to point out. I thought the Raptors pulled things together and, and had a very nice, classy, and dignified response to things. But, I mean, this was a basketball tragedy. We're talking about a top 10 or top 15 all-time player with a career-altering injury after sacrificing, uh, you know, basically his own health to rush back onto the court after facing significant criticism uh, over the last week or so. It's just a bummer, man. And it was a great game. I'm sure we're going to get to the game in a second. But to me, it was just gutting. We could get to the game. But I don't even want to talk about the game. We're going to have to talk about it. It's an NBA podcast, sure. Um, And I think that people watching at home probably felt the same way. But watching it in the stadium, I didn't even really enjoy the game that much. Um, no, it was horrible. It was excruciating. I mean, we make things like Root Canal Reggie and stuff like that. I mean, that was, like, deeply painful on a spiritual level. For anyone who loves basketball, it doesn't matter what team you're on, what fan base you cheer for, you never want to see it go like that. Yeah, and, and I think there's there's a rush to assign blame in the wake of all this and um do you feel like blame needs to be assigned or are you i'm to be honest i'm a little bit in shock i don't necessarily i am a little bit in shock that would be the first place to start is (laughs) okay disclaimer well yeah disclaimer and steve kerr even came out in his press conference and said you know talking to the guys i didn't know what to say because I, i think that's the only proper reaction right now because what we just saw a, we don't know enough about what was going on behind the scenes and what kind of pressure there was or wasn't to have Kevin Durant play. But one thing I would say is that Kevin Durant is an adult and he is represented by adults. He probably has a set of doctors that he met with yeah, separately. And keep it real, he's dancing around before the game. He's swishing jumpers during warm-ups. He wanted to be out there. He, exactly. And I've said that consistently for the last couple of months like there's no question ever did i think he was in a situation where he was playing games with that he didn't want to be back on the court if we know anything about him he's a basketball addict now you can have all sorts of questions about how did they message this thing that would be my that would be my point is if if he were seriously injured or more seriously injured than the warriors ever let on 
I wish they had messaged that better and made that clearer and, and talked in, in detail about the extent of the injury. They couldn't have done it worse, it. right? I mean, it was basically as bad as it can get. And I, I don't know if they were playing the game of, like, let's just shroud it in secrecy and maybe we're going to, like, throw off the Raptors and make them overthink things. Yeah. I mean, talk about, like, shooting yourself in the foot, right? Because clearly Durant, you know, he's hearing all this stuff. He always hears it. Um, you know, there's all these questions that the teammates are apparently starting to get frustrated. All those reports come out after game four. Steve Kerr is giving us one story after game three, changes his story after game four. It was just an out and out mess from a franchise that usually does PR very, very well. Well, but yeah. And to be clear, what we're saying is that if you message it more clearly in terms of his timetable and the pain he's dealing the with severity. and the risks, I think that would have eliminated a lot of room for people to pressure him and question his toughness and speculate about whether he's sitting out and, and why and 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 that just didn't happen and instead we did have that sort of world of speculation where like I don't blame people for asking questions because I think even people on the Warriors were asking questions I think even Warriors players were reading reports about when he was supposed to come back and then seeing that he didn't come back and then that kind of made things more complicated behind the scenes and we don't know how much that played into Durant coming back but one thing I would say though is I think it strips him of some agency to act as if he was just bullied into coming back on the court this was a huge spot and Kevin Durant is a competitor and I think that's one of the main reasons he wanted to be out there he certainly knew the risk there's no question about it that's why I'm not necessarily interested in rushing to the blame game this is one of those like teachable moments for all the you know the basketball coaches and wannabe basketball coaches and parents and kids that are out there. And this is like real trauma, like I'm saying. And look how various people responded, right? You have Steph Curry rus rushing to his teammate's aid, accompanying him to the locker room. You've got Andre Iguodala offering his shoulder to Kevin Durant. You've got Bob Myers, you know, finally after a month of silence, coming out and just being like, you know what, I'm going to lay it all on the table. Like, this was gutting. Go ahead and blame me. I accept responsibility. Um, if you need to blame somebody, put it on my shoulders. That's a lot of good character. Also, Kyle Lowry, you know, the other guys on the Raptors team, really getting the crowd to sort of understand the gravity of the moment, to take a step back. That's the thing. I think that people were killing Raptors fans to some degree, and I, I think the most plausible explanation is that most of the people cheering Kevin Durant going down didn't necessarily understand exactly what was happening. Right, and the ball was going the other way too, right? So you have this moment where you're like breaking free in the open court and it's like, all right, we're going to score. And so your, your excitement is up and then now he's down on the ground. What does this mean? And yeah. I do think there was a little hint of bloodthirstiness but again you know what yeah <laughs> let's not beat around the bush actually because okay. i think there are there were people on the toronto side who i say who i saw say like oh like they were just confused they they were cheering because it was a turnover they were very clearly cheering because durant was hurt for about the first 30 seconds and then they realized what a horrible look that was and saw their players kind of lead them in the opposite direction which was uh, Pretty encouraging. I mean, whether it was Serge Ibaka or even Nick Nurse, I think reached out to Durant as he was walking off, and like that part was really cool. But right, we don't and need look, to I mean, I'm completely off the. No, hook. I understand that, but I am actually like, I'm not gonna let him off the hook. But I'm more understanding though of the Raptor situation. I mean, the fans are all amped up. This is a moment they've been waiting for for years, if not decades. Some of these people are sleeping outdoors before the game. Like any little advantage, your mind is immediately going to think to your own self-interest, which is why I think we should focus on the bigger picture positive takeaways here which is 
great sportsmanship from Toronto. Yep. Uh, great collective team identity. I mean, how, how often have people tried to put a wedge between Steph and KD, right? And I think there's some real distance between those two guys, right? But when, when things really hit the fan, Steph was there for him. And I promise you, a guy like Kevin is not going to forget that. After the game, he wrote on Instagram, I'm hurting deep in the soul right now. I can't lie. But seeing my brothers get this win was like taking a shot at tequila. I got new life. If that's not like the most raw, honest thing we've heard Kevin say in yeah. the last three years, I don't know what would be. Yeah, and um, I think it was really cool. Clay was very emotional in his press conference as well and basically sort of paying his respects to Durant and what he's meant over the last couple years. I think it's true that a lot of things have been complicated behind the scenes, but when it mattered, those guys are riding together and um i don't know like if i don't know whether people can hear it in my voice it's just this is this sucks no, like it, we, it's we can talk about who to blame no, like raptors fans this and that but like the core issue is that we watched kevin durant i don't know whether you experienced this but seeing him out on the floor i watched him warm up for 45 minutes before tip off tonight and just watching him move around i was reminded how much i liked watching him play basketball and uh, I, was, I never forgot that <laughs> well no i know but i'm saying like seeing him back out there you're like god he is just awesome and then oh. he starts off the game plays really well for the first uh quarter and a half that he's out there and it just to then have that all kind of ripped away for 12 months we don't know how serious the achilles injury is but right, it's but a really serious injury <laughs> yeah no achilles are usually serious right it's not a lot of minor achilles injuries out there i think to you, kind of go along with what you're saying though when you're seeing him out there in the flesh it's just a reminder that not only is he like a player who we haven't seen play for a month but he's a human being and he's not just a search engine topic or a narrative device or all these other things that he winds up becoming because he's that big of a superstar and you're right to start to wonder what does it look like going forward i mean if it's a 12-month injury if it's a serious achilles injury I mean, he's a free agent coming up this summer. I don't think it would impact his earning power. Like, I think he'd still have, you know, the four-year max offers from basically uh, any of these teams that he's interested other than Golden State. But it, do it does absolutely represent sort of a, a touch point for his career, right? An inflection point. Like, yeah. we're going to look at, you know, anytime guys have Achilles injuries, right? It's pre-Achilles and it's post-Achilles. And he's such a great shooter. He's so hard to defend. He's so long. He moves so well. He's a good ball handler. He has a lot of elements to his game that are going to help him, uh, you know, overcome or, or keep playing at a high level after an Achilles injury. But he's not exempt from that changing and, or altering the course of his career. And it's horrible to say that in the moment after after it happened. But, you know, that's it there's sucks. a reason why it Bob sucks. There's a reason why Bob Myers is in tears. Well, you know what I mean? And it's funny because as as different as you and I see the game sometimes. Both you and I have been on the Durant bandwagon since day one. Literally, the first sports article I ever wrote was a college newspaper article about Kevin Durant while he was at Texas. Then, when he went to the NBA, his first few years in the league, he would come back and play at Berry Farms in D.C. in the summer. I would go down there and watch him play. I was the only white guy in the crowd. At one point, the announcer called me out and was like oh we got tom from myspace in the house tonight um but like he 
he's just the best. And for me, part of the frustration is that he's been in this fucked up situation for the last couple of years where he can't win for a variety of reasons. People have not properly appreciated his game. I'm, I've been part of that to a degree in, in so far <laughs> as like, I'm pointing out that this is not the, this is not the ideal situation for his game to be appreciated. And so to come back tonight, this was an opportunity for him to just be appreciated on basketball terms. The Warriors clearly needed him. And he, you know, even that first quarter, it was like, oh my God, Kevin Durant is so good. He made he made a couple plays on defense. No, even. he hits two threes. He blocks Pascal's shot. Steph Curry is getting like wide open lanes for layups to the basket, and you're like, man, like yeah. this is why everybody was saying, like I was saying three weeks ago, and he's this, the best player in basketball. This is why we've spent ten years rooting for this dude. I mean, ultimately, and if you look at his arc, right, it's that slow, gradual incline trying to pass LeBron, right? Like, wasn't this the moment? Yeah, and now. Now, not only is it not the moment, I like you can't help but wonder what happens from here. Right. Lower leg injuries are dangerous for anyone, particularly someone his size. And um, he's, he's had the foot. Had one. Yeah, he's had the foot too. He's had three foot surgeries. You know, yeah. so that that compounds and complicates things as well. No, it's uh, it's bad, and this is the thing. Like a lot of times, injuries happen, uh, and Twitter gets very dramatic, and it's easy to kind of roll your eyes as everybody's saying, like, thoughts and prayers to the dude who just sprained his knee and is out six weeks. But like, this is one of the greatest players of all time. He's had a really complicated journey recently. I was thrilled that he was going to be potentially starting a new chapter somewhere in July. And now all of that is thrown into uncertainty. I mean, I was thrilled to see him back on the court because it confirmed a lot of the things that I had thought about him in terms of his passion for the game, Uh, the fact that he is a good teammate, a lot of these things that I've been trying to argue, you know, and sometimes, you know, falls on deaf ears because of just the the complex situation that's been going on in Golden State there that you mentioned. Um, And I think he validated a lot of those things. I mean, as corny as this will sound, you remember early in his career where he was trying to make the servant his nickname? Yes. <laughs> and everyone was like, bro, like, you're the Slim Reaper. Like, you're basically yeah. seven foot tall. One of the greatest nicknames of all time. No, call me the yeah. servant. Right. Like, but the Slim Reaper, you're seven feet tall. All you do is hit clutch shots. You just bury teams. You, like, you know, take away their heart. It's a perfect nickname. He's like, no, I want to be called the servant. But I'm I'm sitting there thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, watching, and this, seriously, this is the most corny thing in the world, but I'm sitting there thinking, man, this guy just basically gave the ultimate sacrifice, right? Didn't he go to his organization and You're say, right, look, that is I, the most corny thing in the I'm going to, oh, but he put his career. He did. I mean, he ultimately, and look, it didn't have to go this way. And if they had played out the commuter, computer, uh, computer simulation a hundred times, how often does he have a series ending career altering injury? Maybe one, maybe five, right? Like in most situations, it would have been okay. Maybe yeah. he scores 30 if he keeps playing like he did. Maybe he just finishes and gets tired in the second half. He only has 15 points. Like, there's so many different things that could have happened. And what he's wind up, you know, giving up, you know, where is he going to end up on the all-time scoring list now? Is he going to have the ch- uh, chance to compete for a championship again at this, you know, some point of his career? 
all these things that we sort of assumed about like the next five years of his life it's terrible being a top five level player are all under question starting with is he going to play next year yeah i'm a hundred percent with you and and when so you, it was corny but you're kind of with it right? i am with you right. well i'm with you in terms of his sacrifice you all know right. so the servant you can see where I'm i going. will never i can never get behind the servant nickname in any context we're calling him the servant from here on out <laughs> yeah the servant it finally sticks oh god i just i mean when he was warming up, I, I put something on Instagram and I captioned it. Ooh, wee, it's Velvet Hoop. Do you remember that commercial? Oh, yeah. See, that's like the good old days with Durant before everything got complicated. And uh, and that's the guy that I was excited to see tonight. That's the guy I well, was excited to see in New York. Let me ask you this. I mean, we're desperately searching for silver linings here. But does this injury wind up having like a, a Kobe Bryant injury late career effect where Katie is no longer, you know, gun shy, hiding, not wanting to talk to the media, and he's just going to let it rip in front of the cameras for the rest of his career. Is that possible? Are we about to get – is this injury going to basically strip a lot of the drama away from Kevin and just turn him it's into a person? strip a lot of the drama away, right. sure. It, it just turns him into, like, the straightest shooter of all time. Is that possible? Um Perhaps, I mean... Uh, we would both welcome that, right? Yeah, well, and he's always been a straight shooter in certain contexts, but... Um, well, but yeah, when he's arguing with, like, 14-year-olds about who's <laughs> who's better, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or whatever. No, I mean, he's been a hoop head, right? But, yeah. like, part but of the reason why... talking basketball, right. Kevin Durant will talk basketball with anyone and can go back and forth, talk shit, and he's a lot of fun with it. It's, right, it's but when how... he gets too concerned with how the world perceives him that right. things get to go in a weird direction. And for the last three years, that balance has been totally out of out of whack right like the actual basketball talk has become such a small percentage of it and the weirdness and the uncomfortable you know not wanting to open up to people you know kind of you know doing these boardroom things almost as like you know diversions to basically say hey i do have a presence out there yeah and at his core kevin durant is a cool person (laughs) and that's not necessarily true for other people other superstars even but KD, like, one-on-one is a good dude, and uh, and so that's why this is so frustrating. Th- that's why I'm trying to find the silver lining. Yep. I mean, because is I, there I, another one? I'm struggling. <laughs> like, is there I'm another struggling one? struggling to grasp right. any silver linings right now. I say we pivot to this endgame, man, because whatever narrative that you wanted to write about this series, I feel like in the last six minutes it got written and then unwritten and then rewritten a little bit. You know what I mean? I was literally Oh, you were doing that. Rewriting <laughs> for a magazine feature uh yes the i mean i can't believe what just happened okay big picture you've been predicting 3-1 series comeback for the warriors since before the series started you predicted it in front of hundreds of termites uh, at kevin o'connor's cancer benefit Let's which was incredible Give, okay. what, first of all what a cool event from kevin o'connor it was very no. it was a lot of fun but on sunday night let's talk about the cool part you going straight up to all the termites and saying right. you know what <laughs> three one comeback i'm feeling it it was amazing the coolest part is that kevin o'connor raised ten thousand okay. dollars right, right, for right. cancer research you were the second coolest part. Uh, the second coolest part was me i'm no i'm not going to give myself credit <laughs> do it, for do being it cool but no we sat there we were the third panel and we sat through the first two panels and koc at the end of each panel went around and asked these various basketball writers from around the media uh what do you think happens in game five right and we sat there and watched 
I swear to God, 15 <laughs> different basketball writers picked the Raptors to win in five. Well, you can't really blame them. I, what do you mean? The, the idea that, like, that, that this was just a sure thing tonight? Well, each individual person can make his own opinion, and they can all reach the same collective conclusion. I under, My I, conclusion was that we were dealing with a bunch of homers ooh. on Sunday night who didn't have the audacity to <laughs> go out on a limb and predict a 3-1 comeback. So. Anyway. Get to the good part of the I story. Ha- no, I just had to. I had to mix it up. I did predict a three-one comeback for the Warriors, and then they lightly booed you, and I threw you under the bus, and I requested louder boos by telling them <laughs> that you had been louder at the Rice to Ricky Sanchez. You've been booed louder at the Rice to Ricky Sanchez party in Philly. They did not take very kindly to that, and they kind of went in on you. It was awesome. Yeah. Well, it was it was a fun little night, and, um, and I actually I would be cool whatever happens in this series i'm no longer rooting for one outcome or another okay slow down though but so they get one and that honestly that was a tough one i mean that was even tougher than the game two win which i thought they pulled out of nowhere too right i mean they're just like conjuring these great escapes so are you still predicting the 3-1 comeback or not um, I'll stick with it just for fun. I'm not, I'm not wedded to it uh, in any passionate way right now. <laughs> don't, don't sound too excited. We've been on the road for 14 days straight. I have no more clean laundry. Uh, but sure, let's go seven, whatever. You decided it was time to upgrade your outdoor deck. So you got all the essentials to do it. You ordered a power washer, a set of patio chairs, and a shiny new grill. And you used your Bank of America Cash Rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping and up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member, which you put towards your most essential deck addition, a bird feeder. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. After the trip, I drove my van back with all my equipment. I could hear a little bit of whimpering and crying. When Eldon Kidd, a father of five running rafting tours through Mexico, found two Guatemalan girls stowed away in the back of his tour van one night, it changed his life forever. They pleaded with me, can you bring us to the border? I agreed. And I thought, can I do this again somehow? From the team behind American Skyjacker comes an epic new crime series, American Coyote. Being a coyote is a dangerous and illegal business. You have to be prepared for the worst. The unbelievable tale of a legendary coyote named Eldon Kidd. American Coyote. Listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Uh, can I read you this text message I sent early in the game about about what the Warriors were dealing with? Please. I said, this is such a crazy-ass test for the Warriors. Everyone involved has to play great to even have a chance in this environment. And that was before Kevin Durant went down. Mm. That was before Kevon Looney went out again with a re-injured clavicle or collarbone or whatever it is that he's dealing with. Yeah, broken chest is what I call right, it. Broken chest um, is what Kevon Looney is somehow playing through. Yeah, not but, making light of that. I know it sounded like we're joking, but like no, this is where amazing. they're at. You know? it's, it's shocking that he's out there at all. But then when they're relying on Boogie and Bogut to close the game, they they had Jordan Bell in there too. Jordan Bell also came up with a couple plays, like Quinn right. Cook made a couple shots. But 
it was, I mean, even when they were up 14, I was watching the Warriors being like, all right, well, you guys are living on borrowed time right now. The right. Raptors' comeback is coming, and you're eventually screwed. That's what I was going to say. So if I had told you last night when you are making your prediction that Fred Van Vliet would key a 10-0 third-quarter run and then Kawhi Leonard would score 10 straight points in the fourth quarter to put Toronto ahead going into the end game, you're not feeling so hot about your prediction. No, not not at all. And uh, that's what I mean about any Freddie narrative Van from Fleet, the story. Man, look, like, if the Raptors win this title, we are going to have an extended dialogue <laughs> about how good Fred Van Vliet has been in this series. He honestly, because even in Game Three, no, it was Game Four where Kawhi went on that run. The Warriors went up five in the middle of that third quarter. And Van Vliet buried a three to make it a two-point game. And he's been hitting shots like that the entire series while guarding Steph and staying in his jersey every minute he's on the court. And talking trash to KD. And talking trash to KD, which was a a very fun moment before everything went to shit tonight. I mean, Fred Van Vliet in his own top 100 is in the top 10. Like, when he ranks himself. He's fearless, dude. If you listen to the the Raptors, because I was talking to some of them uh, a couple days ago, like... Uh, Danny Green said he's the best six man in the world. Pascal Siakam called him his favorite player in the NBA. And Van Vliet himself is talking about just the mindset of this team, which is basically, in his words, don't overreact, don't lose your shit. Over time, trust that we're the better team, and that will show out uh, in the end. And um, that, that That's where it was going exactly. until the last two minutes, and you get Clay banging a three. Steph banging a three, Clay banging another three, like back to back to back. And that's what I mean about any narrative you want to write. If you want to say, hey, the Raptors, all postseason long, they've outlasted their opponents. They've kind of saved their best for second half pushes. Kawhi Leonard steps up. That's how they win. That narrative was looking great until two minutes left when, you know, this other narrative of the Splash Brothers are never going to go down without a fight. If they combine for 12 threes, they have a chance to beat anybody anywhere at any time and overcome anything and leave even their own coach and teammates kind of speechless with their uh, three-point shooting and that's the one that won out but only because they narrowly avoided a disaster from an over and back violation with 30 seconds left that was really bad (laughs) to me like i mean you can't write it here's the thing though i will never forget well, the, the, the Durant thing is going to color my memories for, of, of this night forever. No, this is the Durant series now yeah, forever. I mean, it, it is, for better or worse. No, um, worse. Definitely worse. Um, it's, I'm operating on very little sleep right now. Please bear with me. But as far as I'm concerned, the Nick Nurse timeout with three minutes left was just as bad as the half-court violation with Draymond and Steph. I just don't know why you take that timeout in that spot. The Raptors were on, I, I think it was like an 8-0 run, 12-0 run. Like, that was on the heels of those back-breaking Kawhi shots. And Nurse's explanation afterward was that we had an extra timeout and we lose it under three minutes. <laughs> That's not a good reason to take a timeout, especially when you're dealing with a Warriors team that has looked exhausted in the second halves of these games the last couple weeks. And on top of that, that was like the first real momentum that they had gotten all game. I mean, their offense was rough tonight. I mean, I think they missed their first 16 of their 19 yeah. three-pointers as a team. Kawhi 
had, I thought, his worst game of the finals. Um, Definitely. I mean, I thought Kawhi looked tired himself for a lot of this game. Lots of turnovers, lots of missed shots, missed threes. Um, didn't have that usual command, so maybe that was factoring into it too. It's like, hey, we've you know, let's let's just get a breather and hopefully you know he'll come back refreshed. But um, it definitely backfired. I mean, I, I I totally hear your point, but let me ask you: in the end game, and we've we've had this same question before. Was it more about what the Warriors did in terms of stepping up, or was there the nerves of being on the doorstep yeah. of that of that title from Toronto? Because some of those last couple possessions were pretty bad for them yeah i mean lowry missed a couple open looks um i'd have to go back and look i i, <laughs> I know he missed two wide open threes did you see his quote about the last shot because you know it was like went off the side of the backboard yeah. or whatever and he was like no no draymond tipped that you know i would have never shoot it off the side of the backboard it's like you wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> so that was not a great look okay that uh was a a relapse into <laughs> what the Raptors used to be. But I think in general, some of the shots that the Warriors were hitting were just so ridiculous that you kind of have to make this about them. Um, I hear as you. As much as we can in the shadow of what happened with Durant. Like, the, the, the plays that Draymond was making down the stretch, he hit a three. He had a little floater in the lane that was huge as well. Don't Draymond's feel like uh, threes feel like they're worth six points? Like when he hits them, like they're so unexpected and yeah. like his, the timely a lot of the times. The only other thing that I would kind of nitpick though with Toronto's endgame is Clay was really open on, on one yeah, of those threes. Yes. And there was a couple situations. I think Lowry mentioned that like they combined for 27 three-point attempts and like that was a sign to him that Toronto's perimeter defense wasn't locked in enough because they were able to get so many shots. And I think in general, Steph and Clay don't really force that many threes, you know? Like uh -huh. they, they're all pretty good shots that they take because they, uh, you know, they're not like ball hogs or anything. Well, Steph has been forcing it more in this series because he has to, but you're right. But he's not like putting him like, he's not going like back foot off the angle. I mean, it's in like tight coverage, you know what I mean? But Yeah, well, <laughs> this is why I like doing the pod in person sometimes because you can see me and uh, and we can go back and forth much easier. And it's funny because once I said this is about the Warriors, not about the Raptors, in my head I was thinking, you know, they were pretty open on yeah, those and it's like they but, only have two shooters on the floor. Like I promise I'm not trying to troll you into saying something regrettable no. that will come back to bite you. I just think like – there was the same question in game two, right? When their offense falls to pieces in the third quarter and you're saying, okay, all the stories of, you know, the changed Raptors, you know, Kawhi, you know, spreading his personality off to everybody else. They're all with them. They're all locked in. They're all um, unflappable. Those questions all kind of like came back in their face. They responded great in game three and game four. But, I mean, they're two minutes from a title. Right, they're yep. in control. They have all the momentum thanks to Kawhi. They can't get a good shot, well, and, and they, they lose track of Steph look, and Clay. The crowd is losing its mind. Don't take a timeout, Nick Nurse. Okay, I just like he's done a great job in this entire playoff run. He's done a great job in this series in particular. I love starting Van Vliet to start the second half and turn the tide in these third quarters a little bit. Nick Nurse has done a good job, but God, that one was tough. Because they like the crowd was ready to carry right. these guys to the finish line. They did their part. There's no doubt about it. A little bit too much after the Durant injury. <laughs> but um, let me ask you, though, another big picture question. Golden State has been the team that nobody wanted to win, right? Draymond even said it. Like, they have that famous map, all these different states. Everybody's picking against the Warriors, right? Yep. 
does Durant's injury, coupled with Steph's heroics, coupled with Clay's heroics, coupled with the Raptors being very like 2018 Raptors y, does that shift like the the people's favorite? Like are are is everyone gonna get on board with your three one comeback idea right now? Well, it may also look we have to factor in the Raptors fans cheering aggressively for the first 30 seconds when Durant went See, down. That's what I'm saying. In so terms our- of public opinion, <laughs> right. I, like, I'm willing to forgive. I, I'm all good. <laughs> but like, I think other people, that just left a sour taste in their mouth. And also, look, we've talked about no asterisks. I, I have loved watching the Raptors put this together. I just got finished talking to a bunch of them, and I'm really impressed by what they've been able to accomplish together. I will say that seeing Durant back out there for a quarter and a half and seeing how much it changes the dynamics on the floor may be tough for people to shake a little bit. Uh, It won't undermine the accomplishment in the end, but it does just sort of like change the way we think about this series. No, I I mean, I wrote this before game five that I thought this series will always be known as the Kevin Durant was injured series, right? Because that's just, it's so rare that a player... I wrote that after game one. Yeah. That no matter what he did, he was going to come back. Like his his either return or absence was going to define the series. So we're on the same page. So, but I guess my point was just that like, that's not the same as saying it has an asterisk, right? Just because yeah. of like the historical weight of a player of his magnitude is, you know, that's just going to be remembered as the year. Because if he leaves and the dynasty ends, why did it end? Well, largely because he was hurt, right? Mm-hmm. I think you're right that it underscored and solidified that um, because now, you know, you're seeing the transformative power, the fact that like, you know, for 18 minutes, he had them back looking very confident, loose. I mean, even their passing, you know, yeah. there's some behind-the-back passes. I mean, they were so emboldened. Well, and uh, you talk about his sacrifice. The one thing that occurred to me watching him in the, the first quarter and a half and even watching the Warriors for the rest of this game, they needed the confidence that he provided him. He provided them at the start of this game. For that sure. was a huge deal, and it gave them enough oxygen to keep going in this series because I uh, think they walk- were shook in game four. Yeah. And walking off the court, a, a lot of people around the league were like, all right, so this is the 2014 heat all over again. And yep. we're going to watch them just run out of gas in game five and get run off the floor. And that didn't happen. And I think Durant's presence is a big reason why they were able to show up and really fight. They're also just a proud team that was going to fight their ass off regardless. But, um, but Durant really helped in that regard. And then the other thing that I wanted to say about the Raptors more generally is I'm bummed for the Raptors because they had like this playoff run will be legendary and should be legendary. And the ideal ending for them, and I said this at the KOC event as well, is like everyone on Toronto's side should be rooting for Kevin Durant to come back and be healthy and the Raptors to beat them with Durant on the floor. And it's really frustrating that that isn't going to happen either. And Yeah, and it's gone the other way, like you're saying. But I'd also put it this way, like, I still kind of feel like Toronto's going to win game six. They've they've had these crazy (laughs) bounce backs. I've had a really hard time prognosticating this series as it goes game to game, right? Yeah. Um, But if they do win game six, even without Kevin Durant, I think as time passes, people will say, look, they survived – kind of a, a self-imposed choke job in game two. They they beat Steph Curry on a career night in game three. They sustained a really weird game five where it looked like all of their worst nightmares were coming back to bite them in a, in a situation where Kevin Durant's injury throws the entire game into chaos, mm-hmm. and they bounce back again to win it. Especially if they win in six, I feel like they're going to be able to escape 
some of the nitpicking that maybe you're predicting? Yeah. Maybe not in the short term, but I guess more historically, like well, long term. No, no, no. And I don't think anybody should be nitpicking any of this because the the reality is it's not like they have been eking out these wins against a wheezing Golden State team. Like right. when Toronto has won, Toronto has dominated. And that was even happening in game five when they when they took over the game they just looked like a much much better team and then they kind of ran out of gas and that it's a credit to golden state it's like that that's why they're champs if you give them even the slightest bit of room clay and steph are going to find a way to make this work um and yeah part of the reason why i think that game six though could go toronto's way is because everything had to break right kind of for golden state to like pull this out right that's going to be true in every warriors game going forward like you're going to need quinn cook to hit some shots you're going to need boogie to pull of perfectly solid game out of no, his he was, ass. He was really, really good. I mean, so that's the thing. So you've got you know Cousins playing well, Draymond playing well, both Steph and Clay uh, shooting well. And then on the other side, you've got Toronto 8 for 32 on threes, so that's unlikely to happen again. Yeah. You've got Kawhi with five turnovers and only six assists, so that's pretty much his worst offensive playmaking type game. He only shot 9 for 24 from the field. Definitely his worst overall offensive game uh, during these finals. So I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of room for those things to kind of balance out. And even if it's ugly and even if it, you know, even if it's against, you know, a great Oracle crowd, which everybody was predicting, including Kevin Durant for game six. uh, You know, I think like that would wind up being kind of a signature way to win it, don't you think? Like, just, like, grinding it out when people think, oh, everything's turned. I mean, that's kind of been their story. That, this that has been the story of their playoff run is that everyone looks at them and says, oh, same old Raptors, here we go, and then they come back and win. <laughs> and it, they they are breaking from tradition, okay? Right. And also, those minutes from KD were huge because I think it, it threw Pascal off. You could just tell the length. Like, the first play of the game, he has a turnover, right? Yeah. Uh, he gets his shot blocked by KD. Those minutes aren't going to be there in Game 6, right? So you're back to the same motley crew of guys who were struggling in Games 3 and 4 uh, to kind of get that done. So I don't know. Can I, I tell you what really bums me out, though? Yep. Is that... And this is why, and this is where we're going to end. We're going to keep it tight tonight. It's late. I have to fly very early in the morning. You have to write for the rest of the night. We have to go um, mourn. Yes, we have to continue mourning. But what really bums me out is that I agree with everything we're saying about the Raptors and what this means and the credit that they deserve. I do think that the Durant injury and the way it happened is so dramatic and mind-boggling that is going to overshadow anything that happens on the court for the rest of this series. Um, and maybe maybe the Warriors will come back from down 3-1 to win the series, and Game 7 will kind of bring us back to the court. Um, and that, that will be true for, for however long Game 7 lasts. But I do think, like, this is just such a league-altering development that it's just going to be hard to focus on whatever happens out there. I mean, do you think the other superstars were, like, texting AD and saying, hey, look, like, the plans with KD fell through this summer? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe, No lie, and we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. No, I think we should call on the NSA. We need some text message uh, (laughs) transcripts from these superstar players in terms of how they're reacting to that in real time because – I mean, it's sort of like when LeBron used to hold, put everything on hold with his decision, like nobody else would get to sign until LeBron signed, right? Yeah. I mean, everything is so intertwined here with this summer. I mean, we're seeing rumors this week of, uh, you know, Kawhi and KD teaming up, uh, Anthony Davis and KD teaming up, Kyrie and KD teaming up. Like, 
yeah, well, and we saw rumors with KD going to LA, maybe. <laughs> like LeBron and KD. Yeah, and, and it's KD. just, yeah. it's been all over the map, and all of that was part of the subtext with him coming back in the finals. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, a lot of people are just going to say, like, I've never seen anything crazier than that with yeah. involving an all time great athlete. Do you and, remember, like, the cramps game? This was uh, that was crazy. This yes. was ten times crazier. Yeah. And I was at the cramps game, like waiting in the locker room, having people like drip sweat on me, like hoping LeBron would come out. He never came out. I always thought that that was going to be my go-to vignette for like the craziest, you know, like high stakes NBA basketball moment that I had I'd witnessed. Yeah, this just blows it out of the water. I, well, so I think you're you're right here and, saying. And the reality is just to to kind of underscore what I'm saying. That game we just watched was one of the greatest playoff games I've ever seen. Right. And given the stage, given the stakes, and given the performances on both sides. Because Kawhi, in the middle of that fourth quarter, was out of his mind. Yeah, it wasn't the prettiest, but it was, like, tense and back and forth and, you know. And you had, like, great players coming up huge. Right. And yet, I was sitting there being like, I, I, it, this just is harder to enjoy because of the Durant stuff. And right. Then, and you see a bunch of uh, reporters go away from the game to go stake out the hallway to see him just walk by with crutches, right? Because, yeah. you know, in that moment, they realize, okay, that's kind of the story here, right? So I, to underscore what you're saying, though, here, I think we should just clarify. This is the Kevin Durant injury series. There's no question about it. If Golden State wins, it's one of the most legendary. I mean, that might even top Cleveland's 3-1 comeback. Yeah. Given these stakes. So that's crazy because we never thought that would be, uh, you know, possible. It wouldn't top Cleveland's 3-1 comeback. Really? It, it would be in the – I mean, I think they're on similar levels. I don't Just know Just because the anything, quality of competition is – yeah. Well, yeah. Like, the, the Warriors were great, and LeBron accomplishing that in that moment – yeah. It's, it's tough to top that. I don't know. I'm saying if Steph comes pulls a 3-1 comeback with no KD after he goes out in this game. It'll be in the mix. I I'm mean, just not ready to say it, okay. it would top anything. I'm, okay, it might not top it, but it's in this kind of like hallowed conversation, right? And yeah. I think if Toronto wins, though, this is what we kind of need to like drill down. You're not saying that because KD overshadows it that that winds up being an asterisk. You're not saying that. No. Okay. Because I think that's that's the the murky area that a lot of people are going to be playing in. I'm I think over the next forty eight hours, KD is so crazy right. that it's hard to focus on whatever is going to happen with right. the Warriors and the Raptors over the next couple of days. And, but I also think that once this series is done, once the dust settles, if Toronto wins, I believe they will get their due regardless. Yeah, from from both of us certainly, um, and we've been that's haters all that from matters. The beginning, <laughs> but that's I all think, that matters. We I set think, the agenda for the world. Yes, both you and I have been taken aback by how impressive the Raptors have been at various points over the last month or two. Yeah, so here's the deal, Open Floor Globe. I think we've reached a resolution, but we need you guys to weigh in. So email openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. We're going to try to pick up our uh, consciousness and everything else uh, over the next 24 hours as we fly back to the Bay Area. But let us know your instant Game 5 reactions, what you think the implications of Kevin Durant's injury are going to be, whether you think Toronto will get its credit, where Golden State's comeback would rank, all these kinds of things that we're batting around. We want to hear from you. And I also promise that the next podcast... I am not going to be recording catatonic and like oh, horribly you were great. depressed <laughs> because of the Durant injury. So uh, we will start to open it up around the league. And yes, we can talk about the implications of the KD injury. And look, 
hopefully we are going to be able to look back on this podcast and call it completely ridiculous and melodramatic because maybe he only has a partial Achilles tear. Maybe he's back in a couple months. We'll see. Uh, but uh, I, I mean, <laughs> it, well, Bob Myers's reaction is part of why it, it's hard to be super optimistic. Um, but either way, get well soon, Kevin Durant, and uh, and we're gonna be back later in the week. Absolutely, you can uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts by searching for Open Floor. That's two words. Find our page, scroll down. It'll say rate and review, tap five stars, throw us the bone for recording this at 1.30 a.m. as Sharp's about to fall asleep. I'm also on Instagram at Ben.Goliver. Andrew, we posted a bunch of photos from that live uh, podcast that you mentioned earlier for Kevin O'Connor. It was pretty awesome. People need to be following if they want that juicy content. Juicy also, content. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, we're on the world famous radio.com slash open floor. All right, open floor globe. We're calling on you to pick us up for our next podcast. So we want to hear from you. Okay, Andrew, until later this week, broadcasting live from the Sweet Life in Oracle Arena, I'll talk to you. There we go. The last game at Oracle. Talk to you soon, man.